Hi, and welcome to Chat Club. There's only one rule in Chat Club. Everybody talks about Chat Club. I'm your host, Alan Hilchey. Today's podcast, I have two guests that I think are community champions in our community. Um, my guest today is Nikki Rowe and Kevin Cavanaugh, and they're from the Wings of Change, a local uh, support group from for the first responders. I'd like to take the time to thank you guys for coming. I know that you guys are very busy, but I really appreciate you guys coming and telling your stories. And Anyway, so we're focused on mental health, and that's basically what you guys are about. So I just want to get a little bit of what are you about, Kevin? Like, tell your story. <laughs> uh, my story. I worked at Atlantic Institution. Um, I was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder in 2012. Um, I retired in 2014 due to back injuries. I had a couple of back surgeries due to workplace accident and uh, retired with 28 years of service and uh, and been dealing with uh, the PTSD and um, finding uh, positive ways to deal with it and uh, using it as a uh, as a learning curve in my life, I guess, uh, to uh, to make myself a better person, really. Yeah. Yeah. So you found it through, like, just uh, through different things, like uh, through uh, what? What do you like? Through what? Just basically therapy uh, or support from family? Well, when so was diagnosed with it, um, I I fought it. I the denial. Um, not accepting that I had that um, because of the stigma a big thing uh, feel weak you feel um, like it can't happen to you um, how it affects the family like how would by coming out uh, but how was it was affecting the family in the way I was dealing with it was by no means helpful uh, anger, self-destructive, uh, you know, uh, behavior, depression, uh, anger, denial, loneliness. I, I had all those symptoms. Um, and just coming to the point where, okay, I have to accept that I have this and I need to find positive ways to deal with it so, and how to, how to yeah. combat PTSD. So what point during this whole thing that finally was the the last straw that said you know what i need help like i have to break my silence i have this because it's not easy i'm a correctional officer too Mm -hmm. and when i came to through uh when i grew up through the corrections it was the old school like the the boy that falls off the bike you don't show your weakness okay get up brush yourself off now with the mental with, with mental health now it's starting to come to the forefront you're one of the pioneers because quite honestly there a lot of people didn't jump up and you're one of the ones that has uh, I guess hitting low points where I was just isolated myself from everything no longer interested in what used to I used to enjoy and realizing at work we're working with uh, professionals also, uh, you know, your psychologist, I had a great psychologist, um, and he helped me in a lot of ways. Um, um, Nikki's helped me in a lot of ways and in realizing to control the things I can control and the things I, the, the, uh, 
um, the prayer. Uh, what do you call that prayer? Serenity prayer. The serenity yeah, prayer. Yeah, I haven't yeah, hanging yeah. in the kitchen for yep. years. And mm-hmm. Just realizing, you know, uh, Lord, help me accept the things I, I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and, and wisdom to know the difference. Um, because a lot of things we can't control, but we fight it. Like, like we can control it, and it's just um, digging a deeper hole, like I did for for a few years. And with the depression, like it, you don't have any motivation, you have no energy. Um, the isolation, it, it was, <laughs> it was gonna get the best of me, yep. unless I tackled it. Yep. Um, and the wings of change, when Nikki found that, there was people after her for a few years to find a Mm-hmm. support group for first responders um, and I like also I like exercise finally get out and got a little exercise did some biking did some walking whatever just to to help the another way to cope with it to distract the brain yeah, think about exactly. something else absolutely it yes reduces, you know yep. it reduces your fear and your worry because you're doing something yeah, the anxious, also, you know, being anxious and stuff, yeah. Also learning, like, it's great to work out the body, but it's also really important to work on our minds because if we can learn to control our minds and not let our minds control us, um, because a lot of times our minds will put bad thoughts in there and take us down a path, oh, what if this happens, what if that? you're going down these, no need to, um, we need to we have to, we're in control of our minds and not learning how to do that um, learning our triggers um, and finding positive ways to to deal with this disorder amongst other people with the uh, wings of change like I mentioned it's uh, it's been really amazing it's we're helping each other it's it's really good well Kevin I'd like to thank you for telling me like your story because it's not easy to come out of the silence and say, you know, I have this and that sort of thing. And I appreciate you taking the time because it's, it's not an easy thing to come out and say that stuff. You know, to say that, you know, I have this. And I really appreciate that. It's, it's you know, it's, it's brave. It's, you know, you know, you're showing other people in my podcast that it can happen. So, Nikki, tell me your story. What, uh... I don't think there's enough hours in this day for my story. <laughs> Well, Nikki, uh, Kevin's uh, better or worst half, it depends on who you ask. Um, I was a single mom for a long time, and not only Kevin's not only my uh, co-facilitator for Wings of Change, but he's also my spouse. So uh, he's uh, the love of my life. So I have two kids. Uh, my, my history is I am a survivor of abuse anyway. Uh, then I went into corrections, and I was in that for a short pr- amount of time, and geez, the mid, mid uh, 2000s, I guess. And then I switched over and I started working with crisis intervention. I did that for almost 12 years. So during that time, uh, I've experienced a lot, obviously, which most people have. But towards the end, I was, um, I was experiencing a lot of withdrawal. Um, I wouldn't even say isolation as much because I was still out there. So a lot of times people think if it's just isolation, that's your first clue. But when someone's really outgoing and then they're even though they're around other people and they withdraw, that probably would have been me. So no one really would have understood what I was going through at the time. 
Um, so the doctor was trying to tell me to go off work and me being me is like, screw you. I'm a tough one. So during this time, I, I grew up with anxiety anyway, then, and no oh gosh, I think it was 2013 or four, no, 2012 or 13. I got diagnosed with depression. So during that time, it's because I just kept on fighting my feelings. I'm tougher than this. Um, even though I knew a lot about PTSD and I've worked with people with PTSD, there's mental illness in my personal family. It wasn't because I was bigger than this or there's no way I couldn't have it. It's I didn't recognize it because I was stronger than this. I had to be the tough one. You don't show feelings like you guys said earlier. Mm -hmm. So, and there you're talking about an accumulation of like two years of constantly fighting everything. It felt like I was going in battle 24 yeah. seven. So, um, during that time, uh, I kept on, um, Having, getting worse, I guess you can say, I was uh, not feeling well, falling asleep at supper time. So a lot of the, you know, there's different forms of PTSD because in 2015, sorry, I was diagnosed with two, um, P uh, PTSD. But leading up to this, so I'm sure I've had it for years before that because uh, slowly but surely withdrawing myself, still going out, but just keeping more things to myself. I was falling asleep at supper time. Uh, but yet at midnight, I couldn't put, I couldn't shut my brain down. I was in fear. I am hypervigilant all the time, but I was still going out. I was happy, but like Kevin, which a lot of people we do, I was uh, a lot of time masking it with alcohol yeah. because uh, I just needed, it helped me calm down and helped me relax. But sometimes it triggered me because then I would get angry or I would cry or whatnot. So as uh, the years progressed and as I was getting worse and which I thought in my head I was doing okay and this is when it's hard for us to see people we know for a long time and knowing they're crashing and burning because I would be a classic example of crashing and burning. Everyone thought I was doing okay but yet inside closed doors when no one really was around I was slowly dying. There's no other word for it. Uh, in order to stay awake, I would take natural supplements. And even though it might be good for most people, for me, it was not. Um, I was just trying to stay awake. I was just trying to battle everything. And so with the natural supplements I was taking and the high amount of stress I was under, when people hear stress kills, it really does. So and uh, I left my job, the job that I love dearly. But I knew I couldn't, my body wasn't taking it anymore, and I left the job. And then in December, I ended up, ended up in the hospital with blood clots. Uh, fast forward four years later now, found out it was because of I have a genetic disorder, but it got triggered, the blood clots got triggered um, by stress. Yep. So if people think stress doesn't kill, I'm a living example, stress kills. I had hair falling out. I was uh, not sleeping. I was abusing alcohol just to, you know have a, a, a normal night, I guess, when the kids weren't around. How did I deal? Well, the psychiatrist helped, my doctors helped. Uh, but like I said, because I've worked with people with PTSD, I, and with the counseling background I had, I was able to, I guess, deprogram, I guess, myself in somewhat of a way. But uh, understanding triggers, I got that really early. So I really avoid my triggers and I'm learning to cope a lot better. I'm far from perfect because I just got triggered not long ago, but my trigger lasts an hour maybe now compared to what it was years ago. Um, when I think of all the things I've had to overcome, uh, one of the biggest thing was grief because people don't understand how much grief is associated with PTSD. That was the hard part for me to move forward. It wasn't, I 
there's no way I can't have a mental illness. It had nothing to do with that. It was no way I could, uh, I'm not the same person I am before. I'm the fighter. I'm the one that's lived through hell and back. I'm the one that's the tough one. I can handle most what most people can't even do. That's what I had in my head. And leaving that person behind and knowing that I'm weaker in my eyes, weaker because I couldn't handle the stress, that part is turning into grief. So I was losing the old Nikki. And it was really hard to acknowledge that and move forward because I had to grieve that part. I had to acknowledge, accept, and move on. And I couldn't do that if I wasn't understanding it. I was really grieving. So once I got to that aspect of my life that I understood that I was grieving the old person I was, hanging on to that person that I could no longer be, Mm-hmm. Once I let the old Nikki go and accept the new Nikki, and I call my PTSD now a blessing. When someone tells me that, they look at me like a, like I'm crazy. <laughs> I used to say, I'm crack. <laughs> because I tell them if I wasn't diagnosed with PTSD, I'd probably be dead. Yeah. And people, they look at me and they say, why? I'm like, because I would have kept going. Yeah. There was not an illness because that would have stopped me. It would have been my body shutting down, which it did. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, because I've acknowledged, accept, overcame the grief and own this and see it as a blessing, I'm alive to tell the story today. Can I say the same if I wasn't diagnosed with PTSD? I can't say that. Yeah. Uh, you guys were talking about, like, uh, I, I, I know for myself that sometimes you said, you know, you went out, so you were kind of putting a mask on mm-hmm. so no one could see what was going on. Mm-hmm. A lot of people do that. Every day. Yep. So... I come up with a statement that people put a mask on so they don't make other people feel awkward. Because when you start saying that you have a mental illness, then people start backing up and they get... So you're kind of almost like protecting them, but not really. Because, you know... For some people, yeah, yeah. but I was kind of, I guess, lucky for me anyway. Mm -hmm. Because there was mental... My father's parents schizophrenic. (laughs) Yeah. A lot of members of my family are mentally ill, so I never shied away from that. Yeah. I sat on the suicide prevention committee for many, many years. So being upfront and honest about mental illness has never been anything. If, if anything, I've been pushing it in people's face, if you will. But for me, putting that mask on was to hold me together. Yeah. I really didn't. I was quite lucky. I really didn't give <laughs> rats what anyone thought. It was holding yeah. me together because if someone could see my brokenness, if you will, yeah. then that would shatter my Their piece. perception of you. <laughs> Well, not as much as that. It was more like if they could see I'm broken, because I felt yeah. broken. If they yeah. could see I'm broken, then it's reality for me. Yeah. And that can't be a reality for me because I have to be stronger. Yeah. It was That was hard for me. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I think you also, because, I mean, it's not easy to come out, tell the whole world, you know, your story. And it's, you know, you guys are both community champions in my eyes for what you do, for other people taking your experiences. And turning around and having groups and, you know, putting forth your experiences to help other people. And this is what this whole podcast is about. Thank you. So, um, so how did you get started in the Wings of Change? Nikki could probably talk on that because it was a friend of hers that was... A friend of mine many years ago, a paramedic, uh, started telling me, uh, gosh, it was 2015 we started or 16, 17. <laughs> oh my gosh, I don't even know. Uh, anyways, it was like a 13, 14, 15. He was telling me about uh, 
the death rate of first responders is quite high and it was an alarming an alarming rate at that time and he asked if I would be doing groups for first responders and at the time I said I, I don't feel like I'm qualified to do it because I could not do it justice but I said I would look into it and that was many years ago lo and behold who would have ever known <laughs> I ended up getting diagnosed with PTSD and uh, having a support group peer support group <laughs> that actually helps so this is how it started but once I got diagnosed for almost two years I didn't do much because I had to work through my path of the recovery then when I started recovering and looking for help that's when it brought back to the peer support so I searched I searched for a good two years <laughs> for, and then all of a sudden online bang wings of change peer support for first responders and I said you know what what the hell I'm gonna reach out to Natalie Harris did I know who she was at the time nope but I said you know what <laughs> it's needed and I wrote to her and I said, I've read uh, your information on your peer support group that you're doing in Ontario and uh, you offered to give it to people. Would you mind if I ran it here in Miramichi in New Brunswick, a little town, a city, but it's a little town. And she says, you're more than welcome. So, and this is how it started. So Natalie Harris is uh, an author of two books, uh, Paramedic Nat. She's actually spoken to... Um, legislation in Fredericton, no, excuse me, in Ottawa for Bill C-211, starting the framework for PTSD Canada-wide. So it was quite an honor, so we're still connected, and uh, she's an amazing lady. So at that time, it was April 2017 we started. She, we talked to her in late February, and by April we had it started. We were the second Wings of Change in Atlantic Canada. And at the time, I think there was like 20 Wings of Change Canada-wide. Now we're pushing 30 Canada-wide in two years. That's wicked. Now we're going back to Natalie Harris. She's the founder of this, right? Yes. Okay, I've done my research. Atta boy. Atta yeah. boy. <laughs> so I know I know there's uh, Wings of Change in BC, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot in Ontario because that must be where she's from. Originated right? from, yes, yeah, Barry. So, okay. Yes. So, you know, when we get into that, I mean that's pretty powerful stuff. So, this is basically what attracted you to the what attracted you to this concept, this peer group support. It's under the friendship, of, uh, because um, along with my PTSD, I also suffer from moral injury. Uh -huh. So the moral injury, if people don't know what that means, it means like I'm, the best way to describe it, I have no faith in. Uh, and uh, organizations or officials or whatnot. Mm -hmm. I do, but yet I don't. I'm really working hard. Like I tell people, I have more faith in a hell's angel than I do uh, social development, yeah. which is normally not the case, right? Absolutely. Yeah. But that's where my moral, it's completely backwards now. So I didn't want something where someone above and some kind of organization is going to dictate on where we should feel or how we should feel, how the progress of anyone should be. So when I started looking, I wanted a peer support. So when I found this and I read the model that she had, it falls under the friendship category because there is different forms of peer support and uh, they can fall under um, organizations and it could be structured with a, a therapist or whatnot involved, which many are. I wanted something where people could, could feel totally free, be themselves, not judged in I know with talking with uh, different or, um, professionals, they couldn't understand where I was coming from. I said, you can, <laughs> and I'm quite blunt sometimes. And I said, just because you read it in a book doesn't mean you have any idea where, where I'm coming from. 
And so I felt that way. So I would not feel comfortable in, in a room that's some kind of official overseeing a peer support. This is why I chose to look and fight for a peer support under the friendship category. So it's strictly peers for peers who have experienced, and that's a mandate for us as facilitators. We have to have experienced operational stress or PTSD and functioning good, I guess, well, we're half decent, but we have to be on the road to recovery so we can be inspiring to the people that choose to come to say, you know what, everyone has bad days. It's, oh, it's, it's okay. And then that's, that's the thing I appreciate about it because it's, it's not uh, like Natalie's group or it's not our group. Yeah. It's, um, we put it out there to uh, who would like to chair the next meeting and people volunteer. I'll chair the meeting mm-hmm. and because it's very structured uh, and it's solution based. nice to see. I'm so sorry. That's okay. Um, so I'm going to get into my next question is my next question is going to be why is peer support so important in the community like with, with first responders? Why is it so important to, to you guys? Um, big thing is for, for a first responder, in my field anyway, it's from the corrections field. It's, um, you, you, we tend to battle this on our own and we battle ourselves. Um, being, being with other first responders in, in a room where just knowing you're not alone, um, like that saying, we're all alone in this together. You know what I mean? I love that. Um, learning from other other peers, uh, what tools they use when they get triggered, or what bothers them, uh, what do they do to get through their day-to-day activities? What helps them? Maybe it's uh, meditation. Uh, there's a um, that meditation that Dr. Leonard and Kirby Magic mindfulness on. mindfulness that they offer, and uh, you know, helping to control our minds instead of our minds controlling us. Those things. Um. But connecting with other first responders, you can be open as well. Because the difference yeah. is going into any group compared to going with the first responders or like-minded, if you will. Because we see a lot of trauma. We're kind of dark. It's a darker humor we have. And our even our thought process, especially after we've been messed up a few times, if you will, it's, it's really dark. So going to a normal group or talking to normal people, if you will, and I hate using normal, but that's the way you see it, and describing to them, you know, how at nighttime you can see how much darkness is around and and how much you really dislike this person you've been with all day, uh, if it's an inmate or a person, you know what I mean, anyone, and you can vision, you know, different things, and you tell that to the average Joe, they're like, huh. Well, that's interesting. But if you're telling all getting stuff off your chest and saying that to a final first responder, they'd be like, yeah, I get you. Yeah, that, I get that's, you. That's the thing. You're there with other people who understand you. Um, yeah. And learning to open up and trust other people. That's, that's hard. That's a big thing. To yeah. Absolutely. That was a big thing for me. Uh, normalize, to normalize our feelings and what we're struggling with, just to make that, yeah, I know what you're talking about, but in there. <laughs> yep. So, you know, when we're talking about traumatic experiences, we're talking about events that happen 
that just normal people in society should not see. Mm -hmm. So we're talking like, I know I work in the jail and a client could be cutting themselves and or hanging or whatnot. These are real traumatic things. And I know when I work on the provincial side, which is not as hard as it is. So when we're talking about federal, there's a lot more trauma, a lot more events because there's more violence in federal, obviously, right, Kevin? Uh, I, the way there's violence, I guess uh, you've seen your violence at the, the jail you work at. Mm-hmm. Um, there's violence in a lot of workplaces today. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the hospitals are screaming. Um, they're going through a lot of yeah. trauma and abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, Workers, yeah, employees, work- and people. And a lot of times people don't think they have a mental illness such as depression, PTSD, operational stress. Because they believe it can only come from the the inmates or the the people they serve, they don't realize that you can get it from your employers. Mm. I I received mine from my employers because of years of severe abuse. <laughs> it was just traumatic what I have experienced, and a lot of people have experienced the same thing Canada wide. So when people think it's only you know because I didn't see anything bad, I don't have an issue well if you're being treated like a piece of shit 24 7 and you're worried that you're not going to make your next paycheck because if they fire you and and you know if they treat you like horrible toxic horrible yeah years of but that really a, takes its yeah. toll and then there is the uh the uh, the workplace itself the toxic yeah the stressors mm-hmm. of There's the job assholes everywhere man stressors of the job too, yeah right? uh, so, so now yeah, a lot of a lot of first responders deal with a lot of different issues mm-hmm. for sure so I'm going to throw another question out. Um, when we're talking about first responders, um, how big is the category and, and where we, like for your meetings, like what, what uh, anybody that has PTSD, the first responder, what's your category of first responders? Okay, so anyone that wants to attend our meetings don't even have to have a diagnosis. So uh, even if they're just struggling with things that they've seen or done, and I brought my paper to make sure I didn't forget anyone. So for... Our groups for Wings of Change Peer Support, it is for first responders, the normal, I guess you can say the fire, the police, and the, the paramedics, but it's law enforcement personnel, and that would include your sheriff officers, your court clerks, court clerks thank you, Jim there and help me out, communication officers, a lot of times people forget about the 911 off. Absolutely. They hear these, they take these calls, and they have no idea how things end for them. Members of military, we do have some vets in our group. Healthcare providers, this is one of those things we don't, We excuse me, we hear a lot. ER nurses or palliative care nurses, they, they see a lot of trauma. They mm-hmm. say, no, no, we're not considered a first responder. Yeah, yes, you are. Oh, yeah. uh, who else is it? Child protection workers, animal uh, service workers, and people are like, well, they see trauma. Truna home workers. They, I didn't even know until we were going out, um, passing out the information about this at first. Funeral home workers. They show up on the scene if something bad happens. I didn't know that. Uh, correctional officers, as we all know, and uh, ju- judicial. <laughs> yes. So those are all involved, but in certain areas, like it really all depends. We're we're not hard asses and saying, okay, no, no, you can't come in. A lot of times, we're hearing more and more about truck. Uh, Tow truck drivers are showing up on scene and seeing traumatic yep, events. Absolutely. So they would be, if they feel like it, talk to us. You know, we, we can work it. We've talked with mm-hmm. teachers of different things. And they could be during, on, um, in service now, retired, excuse me, or volunteer. 
Yeah, because teachers actually can be first responders to things that go on in the school. Absolutely. You know, yep. and see some traumatic events. Yeah, yep. exactly. Yeah, it's not, uh, not the traditional what people think of as first responders. It's, yeah. it's ongoing trauma, yeah. right? So my next question, I, I love this one. I, um, what advice would you give someone if they were suffering along with mental health? What advice would you give them? Okay. Wow. Um, talk to somebody. It's, uh, <laughs> when I look back at mine and, and the denial that I went through for years, no, no, I got this. I got this. Mm. No, I didn't have it. Um, so if you're at the point where you're concerned or even another family member or friend is saying to you, you you're, you're acting a little different. You... Mm. You sure you're okay? Well, maybe it's time we, you know what I mean? You need to take a look at ourselves and say, okay, what are the symptoms of this? You know, and just look it up. Yeah, I, I have that. I have my hypervigilance. I have my loneliness. I have my being isolated. I'm hitting all those. Like, yeah, maybe maybe I do have a touch Red of flags, this. Yeah. So um, just being amongst other people that have, uh, that are... Like-minded. Yeah, like-minded and, and have dealt with this and... Knowing you're not alone, because um, that's yeah. the big thing. It's knowing you're not alone, yeah, mm -hmm. and finding the tools and, and to help you deal with deal with the issues. Uh, and for me, what I would tell someone that's struggling is, you know, you best. Yeah. A lot of times, especially if they start going to the doctors and they're prescribing meds, and I'm not going to start on this <laughs> rant or whatnot. But I know the doctor's been trying to get me on meds forever, and I finally agreed to take some antidepressants. And after two weeks, I seen my body was going through more withdrawal. I started to feel sadder. And I'm like, man, it's so easy. If someone wasn't strong-willed, they would just listen to their doctors and do everything that everyone thinks is best. You do this, and it's going to help you. But yet, knowing I am having issues, but at the same time, I know my body. Listen to your body. Listen to your mind. It's struggling, but it it's not gone. Yeah, because there is natural ways to deal with it. You can, you, mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, yeah. So, the biggest thing is for people to know they're not alone, and they fine, he, and they yeah. hear it. Professional right? help is big. Professional help is big, and so is social support. Yeah, yeah. And don't. Mm -hmm. And the biggest thing is don't care what anyone thinks. That's that's what prevents a lot of people. Don't give a rat's ass because they don't live in your world. Your world is hard enough. Worrying about what other people think is, is damaging. See, what I've read, and I've done a lot of it, I love the non-judgmental, and I love the, the words you use, like safe environment. And I, I love that, the key words that I would look if I was going for a group. Mm -hmm. And I love that, you know, and the support. And, and what Kevin said earlier about uh, what do you do to help? And maybe it'll work for me, maybe it won't. But it's something to think about. Like everyone has their own coping mechanisms and how they deal with certain situations with, with trauma and stuff. I think that's uniquely important too. Um, mm. So I'm going to twist the question around. Okay. Now I'm going to look at, okay, so I'm a person. I see that person over there that's suffering. What do you do as a support person? What 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 advice can you give to someone that that is looking to support someone or trying to get somebody help? What do you do in that case? <laughs> and, and that's a really good question because that's. And you know what? And, it depends on the person. You're absolutely right. This is one of those things we've hear over and over for years. 
um, depends on the person you are. I, because I've lived with it, I'm the kind of person that I'll let you know. Okay, there's this help. Go see a doctor. Uh, it may not work for this one. It might not. It might work for you. Try all these things. If when you're ready, let me know. I'm here for you. I'm not going to bug you. Yep. But I can tell you right now, if you plan on um, hurting yourself, hurting others, or I see that you're in a very, very dark place, your ass is in <laughs> in the, the hospital. I will no. call myself. There's yep. no questions asked. I'd rather you be alive to hate me than not. But I'm the tough love kind of person also. I'll get the shirt off my back to help you, but I'm not going to do it until you try to help yourself first. Uh, Kevin. For me, like I've had people that come from my field now that... That one guy in particular, he'll 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 know that somebody's gone through a traumatic event and and just be at work and he'll say, Look, I I know that guy's not coping well with that. And then he said, I'll go over and say, you know what? Are you okay? Because you seem a little different after that incident. And if he wants to open up, great. If he doesn't, great. That's okay too. Just them knowing that they have someone that cares about them. Mm -hmm. And just sitting with them sometimes, not saying a word. Mm -hmm. A lot of times you know, everyone wants to jump in and say, do this, do this. Because as what? helpers, that's what we want to do. We want to jump in. Now we can do this. We but can... sometimes people don't even know what they're feeling. Mm -hmm. So just having that someone sit there and have a coffee and watch a game. Yeah. Pretty easy. Yeah. So, I mean, the biggest thing when you're asking is, are you okay? Yeah. Is there anything I can do? Mm -hmm. And then and, and that would, back in your day, would, would that have helped you more? Like being on the edge and knowing that if someone come to you and saying, hey, Kevin, are you okay? How you doing? Would that have opened up a little more for you, do you uh, think? Well, to be truthful, I probably wouldn't have opened up anymore. But at the same time, it would have been nice to know that that was there, right? Uh, yeah. Looking back, yeah. that, you know what? Hey, if I, if I w it was to the point, and I know I can call that guy. Yeah. I know he understands. So it comes to the point where you know you're not alone. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing with PTSD, anxiety, depression, a lot of these mental health issues. And I'm calling them challenges. I don't want to call them issues. I think it's challenge. Yeah. Because issues seems like it's an ongoing issue. It is, but it's a challenge every day. Yeah. That's, that's the way I look at it. So, I mean, you know, so you're in this. So where do you, where do you where what's your goal, like wh where do you see yourself five ten years in this organization? I know it's a big party is right now, so I know you're coordinator, no Atlantic coordinator, Nick. Uh, oh, for me yeah. uh, as of uh, the summer, the eastern, the regional coordinator for Eastern Canada and Quebec. Okay. So because it's so broad, Canada wide now, and Catherine Hamilton is actually the lady who's overseeing all of it. Mm -hmm. She just can't do it all. Yep. So uh, there's a few in Ontario, there's out west, whatnot, and so here. Uh, so what do we want to see here? Meetings. We just, <laughs> that's it. It's not, it's just meetings. They can have one around every corner, <laughs> if you will. It's like, so people wants to feel, it's like going to a group, I don't care what it is. Going to a peer supporter, going for help should be as easy as walking into your store and getting a quart of milk. That's how easy it should be. Want to see Wings of Change years from now being easily access, access, accessible and accepted. Yeah. And people walking in and out and feeling good in doing so. 
Yeah. Because the meetings, the meetings are, are so good. It's yeah. I always leave there feeling better. We always find a way to laugh. At the end, a <laughs> lot of people will say that. They're like, we're sitting here waiting and, you know, <laughs> we, don't, we don't know whether to go in or not. And, and they finally make the step to come in. And I'm like, how do you feel? And we'll ask them at the end. And they're like, I'm glad that I took that step to come in. Mm. I'm like, yeah, you're freaking right. It's scary at first, but you're glad that you did. And they're like, yeah. So that's, that's the biggest thing. So yeah. I'm going to open the door a little bit. So I'm coming into your meeting and I'm kind of anxious to come through the doors. Mm-hmm. Is there people at the door? No. No? No. Um, we are located at the Nordine Rack, yeah. uh, and it's <laughs> this is one of those things we forget to tell people, because uh, during the summer they have washer toss on one side. We are on uh, the end side, I guess, what the left side. There's mm-hmm. a door, and once you go in that door, there's an upstairs. So uh, we are located up there, the first Wednesday and the third Thursday of every month. So when you you're, there's going to be a sign at the bottom of the door, and as you go up, you're going to see people there because. Some people may be loved to be welcomed as soon as they come in, mm-hmm. but some people don't. Yep. So we want to make anyone that walks through that door and comes up the stairs and walk in not feel anything that they don't want to be expecting. So we make it as neutral. So usually someone's over there talking, someone's in the corner doing something. something. <laughs> and uh, and when they come in and when they know that they're Coffee staying, party. yeah, and if they know they're staying, because this is the thing, we are not rushing to them. <laughs> Plow them over. Hello. Uh, we say, hey, how are you? Take a seat. Talk. Have some coffee. So the way we talk to them, it's almost like we've known the them for 10 years. Are very structured. They start at 7.30. Yeah. Very structured meetings. Solution-based. And they're, yeah, yeah pure focus, solution-based. So the structure that goes on during the meeting is very helpful. It's reminding us of, uh, you know, the... The triggers that we may have and, and you know we give thanks but there's also discussion time that we have in there and we talk about different topics and we talk about how we can promote health in mental health physical health like in all different ways and we share ideas and we support each other and then when the meeting's done that's a different kind of magic because we're sitting there because you can be more open and then you can say, well, well, Kevin, I heard when you were talking at this time and you were talking about this treatment over here, I've never heard tell of it. Can you tell me all about it? Well, yeah, I've tried this and it was shit, but I tried this one and it made my world open up. And I'm like, wow. So you learn things and people are open and trusting. Like people say when they come there, they feel like they're not alone. And they never thought they would have ever, we've heard that from people. We've never thought we'd never go to a group a day in our life. And they can't see us themselves going without the group because they feel so connected now. See, what I've done is I've taken an active role now on Facebook. I joined a group that had like 17,000 people, and it's called uh, uh, Mental Awareness. It's a Facebook group. I got myself in there. Every post, I feel so alone. Every post is about mm-hmm. I feel so alone. And then I think that's the number one thing. So... When we get into the different things, I mean, groups like this is very, very instrumental uh, to, you know, to have somebody that's going through the same, you know, similar experiences, not the same experience, but similar. Now, I read because I was being a nose buddy and wanted to read about the meetings. You don't talk about the specific trauma that set you in there. You just talk about triggers. Is that what I'm getting out of that? You don't talk about your whole incident, what happened? No, there's no trauma talk. Okay. And there's no cross talk. So okay. when we were talking about during our uh, discussion topics, 
as helpers. So while we're discussing, let's say, the topic is stigma, for an example. Mm -hmm. And so it's my time to talk, and I'm talking about stigma. And if I'm looking at Kevin trying to connect with him, and Kevin's like, yeah, yeah, I get that. There's none of that. So when I'm talking, uh, we can't talk about specific uh, events or cumulative events that happens for trauma talk. Because uh, we can talk about, well, there's this day that I stopped uh, my car and I seen this happen. And you can be kind of vague, but if you're going into, I know on uh, January 9th and I seen this person and this person was involved, like, you know, individual or specific uh, trauma uh, talk that triggers people. So then we do a timeout and uh, we bring the conversation back. Yeah. Yeah, So if we're talking stigma and that's why we have a piece of paper and a pencil and somebody's talking... They have, well, five minutes or whatever to talk and yeah. whatever they need. But um, the trauma something, talk something is, that yeah. triggers us that say, oh, I want to talk to them about that. I'll write it down. And then after the meeting, that's when we have our talks. Yeah. And that's what we remind during the meeting, that trauma talk is left for the professionals. Yeah. We're not professionals. We've just been there, done that. Well, not only that, it could trigger an episode, correct? Exactly. And you want a safe environment. It's, that's exactly is, it. Is that, yeah. That's okay. exactly it. Because that's one of the things I picked out. And some people are, as soon as they get in there, they want to just, you know, hammer that down. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, when you're getting into the aspects of your group. Now, another question I want to throw out there. Um, I know Alcoholics Anonymous has support, like support people. Do you guys have that? What do, do you, you mean? Um, kind of like a sponsor. Oh we, yes, like yeah. say that I, I need a sponsor myself, man. <laughs> but I mean, like, a, like, yeah, like a mental connect. health like sponsor. Say, do you have numbers? No, it's nope. only the group. Well, we can, well, in all fairness, as, under the friendship aspect, okay. when we go in there, we make connections. And yeah. during our readings, because we have different readings, and it says if you choose to exchange phone numbers and connect outside these walls, you're more than welcome to do so. Okay. So during that time, we've had connections with people that who have been isolated at one point, and now they come to meetings, and if they need help, they'll call any one of us. Yep. So in that kind of aspect, Kevin, what do you want to share on that? Like we, we do, once we connected, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, you need something, you call us. Or yep. if we need something, we'll call you. So yeah, it's that connection that's made now that... I guess if you want to call it, it wouldn't be a sponsor at all, but... It'd be peer support. Peer support. Inside the walls. And exactly. Right. So, I mean, that's that's fantastic. Because a lot of people probably want to know something like that before they get into it. And they like the meeting. They probably need to know yeah. about that. And some people will connect. Uh, like, we like to snowshoe in the winter. So there's some people in the group like to snowshoe. So we'll get together go do snowshoeing. Or, you know what I mean? Stuff like that. So it's, Yeah, events that's outside of the so we can socialize and connect also because mm-hmm. not all the times it has to be the group so if kevin and i are going snowshoeing we'll put it out there saying okay we're going snowshoeing on saturday anyone's welcome to come and two or three people are showing up yeah so that's 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 what it's all about right is that support and yeah. you know knowing you're not alone it's yeah. huge and these groups are you know are huge and they're starting to slowly come in i know this started in 2014 Yes. I knew that. Imagine that. Did my research. You did your research. (laughs) And you have over 30. Well, uh, because Langley in BC is just starting a chapter. Nova Scotia is starting at the end of this month. And I'm in the process of getting one started in Newfoundland. So by the end of hopefully this year, we're going to have 30, approximately 30 chapters going. So now we're going to have, because here in New Brunswick, we have here in Miramichi, Dieppe. Okay. has uh, wings of change as well so mm-hmm. PEI was the first one in Atlantic Canada so there's PEI 
Miramichi, Dieppe, Nova Scotia, and then uh, Newfoundland. So there'll be five in the Atlantic provinces by the end of the year. So are you helping coordinate to get them up and running? Yeah. Okay. That's my job now. So that's your job. Yeah. So besides so, facilitating and getting yeah. the information out there, okay. uh, it's my job to help them because we have to ensure that they're supported as well and that they're ready. So yep. it's not just anyone that can say, I think I'm going to start a Wings of Change today. No, you're not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're going to talk first. Okay. But the facilitators, we all uh, connect and help each other anyway. Yeah. So my job is just to ensure that... Uh, I'm, I'm there for them and they're ready to do this because one of the biggest things is when you start a chapter you have to follow through the best you can no one's perfect you know life happens <laughs> we're not mm-hmm. saying that but if you want to start a chapter we really you need a co-facilitator and see it through so once people start going and they have that support we want to make sure that support is continuously there for them okay so it's wingsofchange.ca wingsofchange.ca so in this, you'll be able to see uh, the different locations. Yep. You'll be also, I found out, that you can see the meetings online. Yep. And not, I've got your back, 911.ca yeah. has yeah. all of our locations and times. And badge of, badge of life. badgeoflife.ca okay. also has all of our information uh, Canada-wide for meetings. That's amazing. So you guys are going places with this. I think it's amazing. It's well, anyway... I would like to thank you, Nikki and Kevin, for taking the time to throw yourself out there. It's not an easy thing to do. Um, I want to thank awesome. I yeah. want to thank you for you know being our community champions because without people like yourself that start up these organizations, um, we don't have the help. Because let's face it, with government resources the way they are nowadays, they don't have these groups. So it's important that you know we take our stride and you know you're uh, breaking the silence huge and, and the stigma and we thank you Absolutely. because yeah. you also help do exactly what we do everyone uh, has, a, has a part in changing our future right so, so i will make it to a meeting though i guarantee you that because i'd love to i'd love to be a part of it because i think i can add something to it maybe a little bit of flavor who knows <laughs> let us know in advance kevin will make some of his uh, special uh, muffins oh <laughs> he's, the, he's the cook okay <laughs> but like i said like without you two starting the the movement i mean you're, you're gradually starting in the maritime so be proud of what you're doing um people are going to love hearing this i think and it just shows your dedication your passion it's not easy like i said i mean we stumble for words sometimes but you guys did a fantastic job today oh, thank you and it's important that people know also we're not affiliated with any organization we're volunteers okay so that's important for people to think okay who are the, no we're volunteers so we do this just for the love of what we do and the biggest thing and I'm going to stop myself on this and the my last quote what I tell people how do I know I'll only endorse anything that I truly believe my heart and soul that's that's beneficial and when we have a group and if I get triggered if at one time we used to have no one come to groups certain nights we would run through the program and I felt better at the end of the evening it's part of our recovery journey it's part of our recovery journey and it'll be forever yeah (laughs) it'll be proud of us yeah absolutely Well, I thank you both for joining thank me. Thank you. Thank so, you. Anyway, this is Alan Hilchie. I'm your host, and this is Chat Club, and I'm signing off. Mm-hmm.